sometimes we take, uh, as it were, the Adam and Eve approach. We try to hide our sins. We try to, to back up from it and think God doesn't know it. But that's not what David's doing here. Now, David did it to begin with. Remember, if you just take the, the sin with Bathsheba, and you see all the efforts and all the energy that he placed in covering it up or trying to cover it up, and see the devastation that, that came. I, I don't know if he wasn't thinking about that here, of, all, of, of not only the pain that he caused himself, but the pain that he caused others around him. I mean, David wasn't the only one that suffered because of his sin. And, and I think he realizes that. He realizes the pain and he realizes the agony that comes upon individuals who do that. And David here is, is fessing up to it and saying, I'm not trying to hide it now. I, I, I can't. He realizes there's nothing that we can hide from God. But he says here of, of, of talking about how he would like God to treat him in this moment. Uh, he says, your arrows uh, pierce me uh, deeply and your hand presses me down. David used here a, a picture describing the sense of, of God's displeasure. And notice, he, he's not saying that uh, it's necessarily all sin that's causing him this problem. It's him knowing God's displeasure that's causing him so much agony. It, 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 it's God's displeasure. It's like arrows that are piercing him. Uh, I think David is at a point where his conscience isn't seared, so sin is affecting him, and he realizes how it affects God. You know, David actually said in um, Psalms 51, when he talked about, you know, a, a broken and contrite heart, he said, against you and you only have I sinned. You know, you think about how sin, the consequences of sin and, and how it affects individuals, but David realized, God, it's really you that I'm sinning against. Because God is the one that told us what sin is, isn't it? God's the one who sets the rules. God's the one who sets the boundaries. Sin is transgression of the law. And that law comes from God. So when it sins, it sins against God. And David realizes that. And he, he realizes it here. He says, your arrows pierce me deeply and, and your hand presses me down. Um, here again, we, we, we read of this, this, this pressure that, that uh, sin has placed because of what it does to that relationship with God. Now, we can look at this, and I, I've read some uh, different ones who compare this to the suffering that Jesus went through on the cross. David here is experiencing all of this distress because of sin, because of his sin, and you think about all the pain and agony that Jesus went through because of our sin. And I think it kind of gives you a little... Uh, and when I read that, I got to thinking about that. Maybe that does give us a sense of the damage that sin causes. I mean, why... You know, we say that... Uh, why, why did Jesus go to the cross? What's the answer to that? For our sins. For our sins. That's the correct answer, isn't it? You know, we can talk about God's love. We can talk about uh, how much He loved us. That's why He went. But He went because of sin. He went through all of that pain. He went through all of that agony. He went through all of that distress simply because of sin. And I think that's what we're seeing here with David. David is in agony uh, because of this. But notice what he says in verses 3 through 5. He says, There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger. 
nor any health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head. Like a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. Now, we're, we're get, starting to get in some ways in which David describes um, and he, he describes some physical problems that he's having. Now, there's several, several uh, Bible scholars or commentators, ever how you want to word them, that think because of this, David didn't write this. Because they said there's no record of David ever having uh, some kind of uh, disease or some kind of problems with his health or where he suffered this. Um, these people, I guess, are smarter than me, but I, I don't think I agree with that. I, I believe this is David. And I think there's two ways here we can look at this with David. One, we could ask ourselves, does sin cause physical problems? What's that? No, not not always, but it, but it, yeah, right. Uh, it, it doesn't always just because I sin doesn't mean I'm going to get leprosy or I'm going to get you know something of this nature. But sin can cause physical problems because of consequences of it. Uh, there's consequences of sin that can cause physical problems, but there's also that that, and I this is how I I kind of see this. I think David is talking more on the. Uh, figurative sense to where he's so emotionally distressed his his body just feels physically destroyed you know his emotions got him so bad maybe it's you know he, he's got pains everywhere he's got and and from one uh, from a person who you know uh, anxiety is a big part of, of, of life it can cause some physical attributes that you bring on yourself because of some anxiety or some, some emotional things. And I think that's what David is, is more discussing here. I think he's more discussing, this is what my body feels like because of, of what's happened here. Now, is that correct? I don't know that I could prove that either way. Um, we, if, if you take it that it's legitimate and literal ailments, I, I think it could still prove that it's that's David. Look at what Job went through. You know, Job's a good example, I think. It wasn't something that he did, but it was because of what uh, uh, Satan had the power to bring upon uh, uh, Job to get him to, to disobey and not be loyal to God. It was physical things that happened to Job. Could that be what's happening to David here, that because of this sin, there's, just, there, there's physical problems that God's allowing him to have here because he's telling God, what, what you're doing here is like, like arrows to my... Uh, uh, piercing me. So he's almost like Job saying, okay, here's what you're doing to me, God. He's describing his conscience. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, and you're, I think you're exactly yeah. right. It's a figurative that he points to. His conscience is working on him. And, yep. and just giving all the examples of what it's like. That yeah. arrow didn't actually physically go through him. Right. I think you're exactly right. And I think that, that's kind of what gets got me thinking the more figurative. Because there are things here you could take literal, but there wasn't actual arrows going through. There, wasn't, there were some things that 
that he was using and saying this is what it feels like. And I think he's just putting them all together. Um, but, but think about it. Shouldn't that be what sin does to us? Shouldn't that, that, that be to where... Um, have you ever done something, uh, even ate something? You ever ate something that just made you so sick that you just, you didn't, you, you never ate that again? Does that ever happen to you? Or, or drink something or, 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 or something that happened, there, there's some association that just makes you physically sick now when you think about it. Well, that's what sin ought to do to us. You know, sin ought to, ought to be to where we think of it and say, to think about it. Until we get, can get to that point, do we really see sin like it is? Can we truly repent like we should? Is it, again, there, is there a difference in sinning cause you get, uh, repeating because you get caught, uh, uh, repeating because there's been some, some things that, that's come up or happened, or that the sin itself physically makes us sick? You know, just thinking about it. Think about the consequences, the guilt behind it. You know, I've heard someone say one time, ah, oh, they're just, and I actually had somebody say this to me about somebody. Uh, 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 somebody came forward at this particular place. I talked to them for a while, and, and we prayed with them. And then as the congregation was going out, one gentleman took me aside and said, they only did that because they felt guilty. I said, well, good. <laughs> they ought to felt guilty. I, I don't understand what the problem is of feeling guilty about something that you did that was wrong. I, I think there ought to be a measure of, of feeling guilty about it. And I, I believe that's what we're seeing here with, uh, uh, with David. He says, there's no soundness in my flesh because of your anger. David not only sensed God's displeasure spiritually, but I think, uh, I think there is a sense here of he, he's physically ill. Just, just thinking about it, his conscience, his emotions are weighing on him so much that's affecting his everyday life. Um, and I, I, I think he's really struggling with that sin here. Well, he, summed, he sums it up here in verse 5. He's taking ownership. He says, yeah. mm -hmm. he's taking ownership. Yeah. He says, my wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. Here's, uh, he, he's saying it's just, it, it, it stinks. He, he said it's just, it's terrible. And he says, I've done it myself, my own foolishness. And if we, if we were to attach this, and I think it would be fitting to his sin with Bathsheba, I mean, look at the devastation that he caused because of that, because of his foolishness. Here's what I did, and not, not only that, look at the extent that I went through to cover it up, and all I did was cause more and more damage that's still affecting me. That, that's still there with me. It's affecting my family. It's affecting those that are around me. He even talks about his enemies to where his enemies are coming, and he's getting to the point to where I'm not even going to answer it. I'm not, what am I going to say to it? What could he say? He has no excuse. So we, we, we see here David, and we've seen numbers a number of times, and I think this psalm to me is a little different because he, he's a little more, uh, you know, the Bible calls him the sweet psalmist. But you see him here pouring out his emotion to the fact of, once again, he's telling God, this is what I've done. I, I, I know your anger is, is to me. I know what you're able to do. But here's what I'm needing you to do. And I, I don't have anywhere else to turn. When it comes to sin, there's nothing else I can do. Bill? 
yourself. <coughs> and if you live with yourself, you know all about yourself, and it can affect your health and everything else. Yeah. Because you, you know in your heart your situation. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've thought about this before. I've got to be careful how I say this because I don't want you to know how my mind works too much. But I, I love criminal shows. I love the, the, the realistic ones where they go over crimes and stuff, and then I like the ones where they, they fabricate the crimes and you show them solving. And, I, and especially some of the ones I watch, there, there's times that I think, they should have never got caught with that. You know, they, they had it made. They had this body buried in this place or this and that. I mean, I don't think about buried bodies, even though we do bury them all the time. Don't mind. Um, but it, I, I think sometimes they, they shouldn't have got caught for that. But you know what did? Their selves. They couldn't live with it. They, they, their conscience just kept gnawing at them. They just, nobody else knew it but them, as far as earthly things. And they just couldn't, it just eat them up too much. And every time I see that, I think that proves the point. You know, that, that's what God put in us. That's how we should think about that. That's how we should view that. It should eat us up. It should bother us. From, from the most graphic thing we can think of to the little things. Bill? You've heard of death, bed, confession. Mm-hmm. Yeah, deathbed confession. That's a good point. Real good point with it. As far as just driving you crazy, living in solitary confinement, I, I would think it is because you're you're in the the prison of your mind, and you know no matter what you do, that's not going to leave you. No matter how much you try to hide it or how much you're going to try to do, and it's always there with you. So. I mean, you're in the own prison of your mind. I, I, think, it, I think that is it. Um, and, and I tell you, it's, I mean, we can talk about all these things. And as David describes this, I mean, it's almost like you could put yourself there in his shoes and say, man, he was suffering. He, he's really going through this. And here's what it's because of sin. This is what sin does to the world. You know, when people say that, uh, why didn't God just make it so wonderful? He did. Sin is what's doing this. But there has to be that for there to be good. There has to be evil because there has to be a choice. But we choose to do the dark or we choose the light. We choose to walk in that light or we choose to walk in that darkness. And in that darkness is some pretty bad things. It, it, it's, it's what the world is is getting used to and it's it's amazing what we can get used to but we shouldn't even from the little things and, and it starts out with everything else it's just like um just take from for missing services you know we're here for encouragement we're here to build each other up and and if you're not able to be here sometimes it just really gnaws at you well then you can't be here again then it, well maybe it don't gnaw at you so bad then pretty soon you don't miss it at all because you got used to it. And it's amazing what we can get used to. And, and we can put anything in this, this category. Uh, you can get used to that where it doesn't eat at you anymore. But David says here, I, I can't live with this. I, I can't live with this any longer because not only because of the sin, because God, I know what it did to you. I know how you feel about it. And that's what's piercing me is knowing um, you ever... Uh, did something and you wasn't 
you weren't worried about necessarily the consequences of it, but you you were worried because, and what affected you the most is because you disappointed that person. And I think that's what David's feeling here with God. He knows how how he disappointed God, and that that feeling that he's feeling with that is is just overwhelming to him, uh, and it, it, he's ashamed of it. But again, he says, because of my sin, although David confesses that he's being judged for sin, God has made it clear to him uh, that, yeah, it is his. You know, he, David says, I, I know you know, and, and I know that's why that I'm going through this, uh, and I think that's why David is having such a, a, a hard time with it. Uh, again, he says, my wounds are foul, they're festering. He said, I'm struggling. Um, it, it, it's just a, a, not a wonderful picture, it's an awful picture of what sin can do, but I, I think David has really laid it out for us here. Look at verses uh, 6 through 8. He says, I am troubled, I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all day long. My loins are full of inflammation. and There is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and severely broken. I groan because of the turmoil of my heart. Now see here again, he's, he's, he's describing what's physical things, but notice what he says. He says, because of the turmoil in my heart. He said, I, 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 I just feel awful because my heart wasn't right, because my heart's not where it should be. I, I, I need to get back in that right relationship. Um, and he's really struggling with it. Uh, let's go on to verses 9 and 10 because all that. Now we see uh, uh, where David is, okay, he, he, he's telling God, okay, don't judge me in this way. Here's all the things that I'm feeling. And now look what he says here in verses 9 and 10. He says, Lord, all my desires before you. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart pants. My strength fails me. As for the light of my eyes, it also has gone from me. Notice a couple things he says. Lord, all my desire is before you. What's he saying to God here? So everything he's desiring, good or bad, whether it was the desire to do sin or the desire to serve God, he says, it's before you. You, you know what it is. There, there's nothing that I'm hiding from you. There's, there's nothing that I'm concealing from you. Uh, he says, my sign is not hidden from you. My heart pants, my, my strength fails me. For the light of my eyes, they're gone. I, that light's not there. You know, the Bible tells us, what about the transgressor? The way of the transgressor is hard, didn't it? It, it? It's a miserable life because of, of where it can lead and the problems that it can cause. Um, when you look at uh, when you look at anything, when it comes to advertising, when it comes to when, when you see on TV, you see on movies, you see on commercials, uh, all these different lifestyles of how individuals live and the things that they do, and it looks like they're just having a wonderful time, but it never shows the consequences uh, of it. It never shows. Uh, uh, you know, that person that's out having the affair, it doesn't show their family being destroyed because of it. That, that person going out here that's doing drugs, it doesn't show the family that's back there that suffers because of it. Because one, they see that person going through pain, and two, the turmoil that it's caused. It never shows any of that. 
because that's not appealing. They don't ever want you to see the hook. They just want you to see the bait. You know, that, that's why you do everything you can to hide the hook until you're already, that, that fish is already on there. You know, you, you just see all the glitter. You see all the, the wonders of it. You don't see any consequences to it. And that, that's where we've got to be careful. That's where we've got to really be teaching our children. We've got to be really seeing it ourselves. To be careful what you get used to out there that you think something that's good and uh, it ends up getting you before you know it. Um, I don't think I've ever met anyone that intended to get their lives in situations that they got themselves in. You know, I, I've sat down with families. I've sat down with individuals. I've, I, I've, I've you know, done different things and, and listened, and it's all the same. Never intended for this. I don't know how I got to this point. I, you know, I, I don't remember how I got here. I just know I am now, and I'm miserable. Well, you, you start backing up seeing because somewhere you got used to it for a while. It, it all looked good, and then when the consequences started coming, you didn't realize that, you're at the hook now. You're past the bait part. You're past the shiny part. You're at the hook part that you're having to deal with. And you don't feel like there's any way to get, get it off of it. There's not any way to get away from it. Um, and it can be devastating. And the consequences are real. Even with repentance, there's still consequences. There's still consequences with David. There's still consequences with, with, with a lot of other things out there to where even if you repent and, and start living right, you still have to live with consequences of those actions. Um, you know, sometimes we, we have this uh, idea of, and I've, I've talked to uh, uh, parents before, and, you know, you'd be discussing kids, especially when your kids are little and as they grow up. And uh, I, was, I remember this one uh, family said, oh, they were talking about something that uh, their children were doing. They're just sowing their wild oats. They have to get that out of their system, you know, before they start doing things that are right. And I, and I thought about that. I thought, okay, if that's the, the, the rule, then what about the consequences of sowing those wild oats that they have to have that may be last the rest of their life, that, that you're still having to deal with because of this is what is done. And sometimes it's hard to get away from those things. That's right. And it, it's hard for us to uh, separate consequences from evil. From the negative part. Yeah, that's a good point, Bill. Yeah, there are there are consequences that happen when you do the right thing. Um, and I and I think we don't think about it. You know, we we don't think about as as we're younger. We don't think about you know maybe teaching it to our children so much. Maybe that as you get older in life those things that you thought were so important or those things, they end up not being. And there's some things that still, you may still be going through good or bad. You know, you, you do these good things now, they can still have results later on in life. But if you do these things, they can have this, these results later on in life. Doesn't mean a person has to be perfect and you've got to plan out your every single move. But I, I think we need to teach that there are things that you need to realize that can, uh, as they say, come back and haunt you. Um, and you've got to be careful with those things and, and, and understand 
that that's what you're, you're getting into when it comes to that. Um, but David says, because of the turmoil of my heart, uh, I think it goes back to what Parker was saying, kind of in that isolation. I think David's in this uh, self-prison of, okay, I'm having all these problems because I was foolish. I brought this on myself, and because this is what's in my, you know, my heart is just devastated because of it. He can't get away from it. Where's he going to go? What's he going to do? What's he going to say? He knows it. He knows God knows it. And now he's just trying to get over it and get through it. Uh, and deal with the things that he has to deal with with it. Uh, look at verses 9 and 10. Or did we do 9? That was what we don't want it. Yeah, and 10. Let's go a little farther than that. Uh, let's read uh, verses uh, 11 through the end of the chapter, and we'll go back and talk, to, talk about those. Didn't I put that on there like that? Yeah, I thought I did. He said, My loved ones and my friends stand aloof from my plague, and my relatives stand afar off. Those also who seek my life lay snares for me. Those who seek my heart speak of destruction and plan deception all the day long. But I, like a deaf man, do not hear, and I'm like a mute who does not open his mouth. Thus I'm like a man who does not hear and whose mouth is no response. For in you, O Lord, I hope you will hear, O Lord my God. He says, For I said, Hear me, lest they rejoice over me, lest when my foot slips they exalt themselves against me. For I am ready to fall, and my sorrow is continually before me. For I will declare my iniquity, I will be in anguish over my sins. But my enemies are vigorous, and they are strong, and those who hate me wrongfully have multiplied. Those also who render evil for good, they are my adversaries." Because I follow what is good. Do not forsake me, O Lord, O my God. Be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. Uh, so we see here first, he says, my, my loved ones and my friends, verse 11, uh, stand aloof from my plague. My relatives stand afar off. Um, so he says here also, those who seek my life lay snare for me. So because of his sin, he says, I, I can't even have any support from my loved ones or even my enemies. It's like, as he calls it, a plague to where no one can help me. Uh, no one's able to be there to comfort me. Nobody's able to be there to do anything because really what can they do? And when, when it comes down to it, David is the only one that can make this right. Who else can do that? His, his loved ones can't do that. His enemies are going to take advantage of that. So what, what can he do? God's the only one that he can go to. You know, when it's all said and done at the end of the day, when all the smoke clears, it's just David and God. And it's the same with us today, isn't it? When everything clears, it really boils down to just me and God. Now, once I fix that relationship, then I can work on the others. Maybe the others can help me in some way uh, to encourage me after that, but they can't take my sin from me. They, they can't do anything with that. Only God can. Um, and it's, a, it's a, got to be a pretty lonely place to be in. Uh, and once again, I think it shows David's character to where he realizes it's only God that can help. No one else can. Uh, David endured worse than 
the lack of support from friends and relatives, he also faced determined enemies who constantly plotted his destruction. So David's not only having to deal with problems that he brings on himself, but he's also having to deal with his enemies too. So he, he has, it's just relentless for him. Um, you know, he's not only having to deal with that, but now I guess he's realizing too, plus everything that I bring on myself. So he's just, he, he's living a, a pretty miserable time right now. Uh, he says, I like a man do not hear whose mouth is no response. Um, I think here you can, you can even go back to Jesus. Uh, with all that uh, Jesus went through, as Isaiah 53 said, he was, he was read, uh, led like a sheep to the slaughter, yet he opened not his mouth. Why? Because there was only one cure for sin. One cure for sin was his blood. He had to go through it to do that. It wasn't his sin, it was our sin, but he had to go through that. So what's David learning now? David's learning now, okay, I can go through this. I don't need to say anything. What can I really do? There's only one cure for it. I can't, I can't talk my way out of it. I can't listen to what somebody tells me and says, oh, just do this or do this. It's what God says. So he says, I don't open my mouth. I'm like a, a, a mute person. I'm like a deaf person. It doesn't do any good. I, 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 I can't hear it and I can't speak it because I can't change it by doing that. There's only one thing that can. Um, and, and I think we have to get to that point. We have to get to that point to where we don't try to justify our sins by ourselves and try to talk our way through it. Um, we don't find somebody that we can listen to, that we can justify it. We just have to own up to it. And that's not an easy thing to do. That's, you know, it's always easy for a preacher, I guess, to stand up here and say, all you got to do is do this. When it is all you have to do, but sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. We sing a song, Only a Step, but that's probably the hardest step you'll ever make. But it's the best step you'll ever make, and it's only a step. It, it, it has to start with that. That's the only thing that can do it. No one else can do it for you. And I think that's where we see here uh, with David. Again, he says, my friends uh, and loved ones, they're, I'm like a plague to them. Uh, again, and that's where some of the writers say, because of his plague, that David didn't have a plague, so it couldn't be David. I don't think David's saying he's got a physical plague here. I think he, the sin is what the plague is. I think his, his emotion, he said, that's what I've become. I, I'm like a person with leprosy. No one can get around me. You know, they can't be a part of, of who I am because of the situation and the state which I'm at. Um, and I think sin does that in two different ways. I think sin does that because we, uh, we drive people away because of our actions and our sins. But I think it also can come another way where people have to withdraw away from me so I can repent of my sins. You know, 1 Corinthians 5, John studying that uh, last Sunday. Sometimes that has to take place. We as a church have to do that. We have to take a step back to where we're not, we withdraw from this individual because of sin. So there's two different ways in which we, we find ourselves alone, but both of them are because of the purpose of sin. And for us to repent, because there's only that, that uh, repentance is the only thing that can, can change that. Um, look at verses 15 through 16. He says, For in you, O Lord, now we see a little, little glimmer of hope here. 
He says, for in you, O Lord, I hope you will hear, O Lord my God. And David here is using every word for God. The, the covenant name, uh, as a master's name, he, he's, he's going through it all. He, his whole entire relationship of who God is, David's including here. He says, For in you, O Lord, I hope you will hear, O Lord my God. For I said, Hear me, lest they rejoice over me. Lest my foot slip, they exalt themselves against me. Uh, so now David's going through, he just, like he does before, he describes to God, Here's my problem. Now I need you to hear me, and I've got confidence that you'll do something. And, and I think that's a wonderful thing how David, and it shows his relationship. He, he's not hiding it. He's, he's pouring his heart out to God, and he's saying, I need you to hear me, and I need you to help me. Look at verses 17 through 20. For I am ready to fall. My sorrow is continually before me. For I will declare my iniquity. I will be in anguish over my sin. But my enemies are vigorous. Okay. It's almost like, I don't think David's bargaining with God, but he says, I'm ready to fall. I'm ready to take the consequences. I, I'm ready to, I, I, I'm expressing my iniquity to you. I'm declaring all this, but in the process of that, my enemies are pretty, pretty staunch against me. So I, I, I'm confessing to you. I'm repenting. But I want you to know my enemies are still coming. So I, I, he, he's basically saying I need you to deal with this so we can deal with my enemies. I, I need to deal with my own personal problems here and then deal with the problems that's coming after me. Uh, and he says they are strong and those who hate me wrongfully have multiplied. They also who render evil for good. They are my adversaries because I follow what is good. Now how can David, when he's crying out to God and confessing his sins, say, say this, because I follow what's good. How can he say that? Is he following what's good? I think he is. He sins. We all sin and fall short of God's glory, but he's doing exactly what he's supposed to do when he did it. So see, it's not just about David's sin. It's about what David's doing about his sin. And that's what walking in the light is all about. Remember, walking in the light is His in the light. We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Christ cleanseth me, continues to cleanse me of my sins. It doesn't say I stop sinning. It doesn't say I'm never going to sin again. But when I do, if I'm walking in the light and seeking what's good, that means I'm going to do the right thing about it, and that blood cleanses me. I think that's what David here is declaring, that he is following and doing uh, what is good. In the final two verses, he says, Do not forsake me, O Lord my God. He says, Be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord my salvation. All this doom and guilt and darkness and, and agony, he ends with, God, be my salvation. I, I have confidence that you're who I need you to be. And I want you to have confidence that I'm going to be who you want me to be. I think that's what David wants with God. He wants that, that acknowledgement of, I don't want to disappoint you, God. I, I want to be what you want me to be, but here's what I did. And I think that's exactly what God wants us to be, is to know that He is our salvation and that He's not far from us. Any final thoughts on, on what David said in this song? 
to me, once again, this is a, a wonderful psalm that I think we, we should all read and study and, and go to when we're struggling in our lives. You know, we, we, we all struggle with sin from at some point, at, at, at some level, and I think David gives us a good, uh, good example of here what to do and how we should feel about it. I think that's the key to it. Thank you for listening.